So another reason that people tend to doubt Luke's account is that when in doubt, people want to doubt the Bible. <laughs> so when, when in the doubt, minimal, doubt. Yes, when in doubt and the Bible is in question versus another historical document, always doubt the Bible. <laughs> Don't quote me on that because that's not true. <laughs> That's not going to be our quote from this episode. <laughs> yeah, I remember that at the beginning. <laughs> Welcome to Apologetic Simplified, a podcast about Christianity, theology, and culture. Hit subscribe to be notified of each new episode. And now, here's your hosts, Leah Chapman and Andrew Foster. Welcome to another episode of Apologetic Simplified. We are so glad that you are tuning in to listen to us talk about things. Christmassy things. Christmassy things. That's correct. This is the Advent season, and we have a special Advent episode, which I dubbed In Defensus of Desensus. So, in this, we will be looking at the Gospel of Luke and the events surrounding Jesus' birth, looking at the history and uh, some objections that people have to the account. It's going to be a whole lot. It's going to be exciting. So buckle up. <laughs> I could see his face when he said that in defenses of defenses. He's like, somebody laugh. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's great. Um, probably won't use that for our title, but that's okay. Uh, so I am actually doing an Amy Jill Levine study at church. Um, she is a Jewish New Testament scholar. Uh, the study we're doing is the light of the world, which I'm really enjoying. Um, I am fascinated with uh, with her as a character <laughs> because she is not a Christian, but she is just fascinated by Christmas and she is a New Testament scholar. And so I'm just kind of fascinated by her uh, entirely, but it's a really good study. I'm enjoying doing it. Um, but in the study, she points out several quote problems in the gospel accounts around Jesus's birth. And she doesn't make an attempt to reconcile these things with history. Which is interesting to me because a lot of what she's doing is putting the New Testament, or I'm sorry, is putting Jesus's birth story in its like first century context so that Christians can understand what the story is communicating a little better. Um, so she's already trying to help people understand stuff in context, but then when problems show up, she doesn't really make an attempt to reconcile them with history. In fact, she states there's really not a reason to do that. And I'm paraphrasing here because religion isn't so much about facts as it is theology. Um, but as you can imagine, I have a little bit of a problem with that approach to uh, religion, to Christianity. She's not the only person uh, who recognizes there's problems in the text, however, uh, particularly surrounding Jesus's birth. Um, I do think that we can look at these facts and these things can be reconciled and it's worth the effort to attempt to reconcile them. Uh, so Christians, including myself, note that there are some things Luke says that don't quite line up with the other historical documents at the time, the other historians. However, I don't actually think it's a problem, uh, but an opportunity to do more research into the time of Jesus' birth and in doing so learn a little more about our Christian faith. Um, so we're going to be discussing this passage, Luke 2, 1 through 5, which I'll read in just a moment. Um, and we are going to just kind of dive into these, dive into, dive into these verses, good Christian buzzword here, um, and see what's going on, compare it to the other historians at the time, um, and see, I think ultimately there's not a huge problem here, but just some interesting points of history um, that we need to talk about. So here's Luke 2, 1 through 5 from the NIV. 
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And now there's several things in here that historians say they have a problem with. So you're saying the passage that I memorized in my Christian elementary school, PCA Go Stars, was wrong? How could this be? Yes, I mean, there are people saying that it could be wrong, um, despite the fact that we memorized it at the home of the stars or the storm or whatever. <laughs> it's a very, 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 very small group of people who understand that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, skeptics say that Quirinius was not governor of Syria during Jesus's birth. Uh, and the famous census mentioned here uh, was not, did not line up with Jesus's birth. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about what that census is in a minute, but there was a huge census around 6 AD um, that they're saying does not line up with Jesus's birth, which are saying happened a couple years earlier. Additionally, there would have been no reason for Mary to travel to Bethlehem, even if the timeline did line up between the census and Jesus's birth. So we're going to go through each of these three objections, um, them being that Quirinius was not the governor of Syria during Jesus's birth, that the famous census uh, didn't happen around the time of Jesus's birth, and that even if it did happen, Mary would not have needed to travel to Bethlehem. So we're going to go through each of these three things and see that there's no substantial reason to doubt Luke's account of what happened. So then, like, why is Luke's account doubted here? Well, I'm glad you asked, Larry. <laughs> I don't know, it's just, it just gave me real Larry the Cucumber vibes. Um, no other historic accounts mention a census happening at the time of Jesus's birth, which I think is around 2 to 4 AD. So we have other historians, namely Tacitus, Josephus, and Plutarch, and they do not mention a census happening around the time of Jesus's birth. These are other very reliable historical documents from the time um, from three, three historians. Um, so no other historic accounts mentioned a census at the time. Um, the big census that was a big deal around 86 caused this big revolt. And so that's what everybody's looking to is 86. And they're saying, actually, that doesn't line up with Jesus's birth at all. That, that, um, and yet they're saying supposedly that they went for that sentence, uh, census. And so they claim that that means Luke's count didn't happen or it didn't happen like that. Like something's wrong. Um, another reason people doubt, uh, Luke's account is that people just like to doubt the Bible. Uh, it's easy to say like, Oh, Tacitus and Plutarch and, uh, Josephus are all reliable accounts. But Luke, who is, you know, largely very accurate and lines up with what we do know from the time, uh, well, it can't be trusted because it's in the Bible. Like, people don't want to take Luke as a historical, reliable document, even though it is just because it's in the Bible. So people just like to doubt the Bible. So if there's a way they can doubt the Bible and uh, elevate other texts above it, they're, they're probably going to do that. So you're saying uh, Luke is kind of like Stetson Bennett? Sure. Do you want to elaborate? Oh, yes. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs <laughs> quarterback, uh, just uh, at the time of this, named a Heisman Trophy finalist. Uh, we'll know whether or not he won it uh, by the time this is published. But yes, I mean, like, he's had a lot of doubters. 
And even like after winning a national championship and proving himself, there's a lot of people like, ah, oh, he's not good enough. So maybe, maybe it's kind of like this for Luke. They're like, yeah, sure. All these other Luke accounts have been able to be corroborated very well with, uh, with, you know, history and stuff like that. But no, nah, no, nah, I'm not trusting it. Uh, uh-uh. uh. There you go. Lucas Stetson Bennett. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is funny how we like pick people and we're like, you don't seem trustworthy because of small reason insert here. Um, so another reason that people tend to doubt Luke's account is that um, we don't have a whole lot of data uh, and historical information from about 15 BC to about 8014, that 30-ish year period. There's just not a whole lot of information. And so um, it's entirely possible that Luke wrote about something and he was the only one to write about it, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just might mean that other data we could have had, we could have, we just don't have because we just haven't found a whole lot of um, documents from that time. Um, and again, when in doubt, people want to doubt the Bible. <laughs> so when, when in the doubt, minimal, doubt, yes, when in doubt and the Bible is in question, Versus another historical document. Always doubt the Bible. Don't quote me on that because that's not true. <laughs> that's not going to be our quote from this episode. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that at the beginning. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. So uh, let's see if I'm smelling what you're stepping in here. So you're saying that Luke's account of Jesus' birth doesn't line up with other historical accounts of the time. And if Luke is wrong on this one detail, that means we should just doubt the whole Bible. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when I was doing my research, uh, I mostly saw people saying there is absolutely no reason, Christians, to doubt Luke's account because we do this opposite. Skeptics want to dismiss the Bible. Christians want to elevate it probably just an exceeding degree to a point where it's like they don't want to question it. But just for argument's sake, let's assume that Luke is wrong. Luke is, I know, Luke is saying that Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem to be registered in 6 AD for this big census, and he's wrong. What then? Well, perhaps because Luke was wrong on this one detail of there being a governor named Quirinius around the time of Jesus's birth, and wrong about the fact that the census that they are going to um, is wrong about the timing of that as well. Uh, well, then obviously, I think if Luke is wrong, we're going to have to throw out all of Luke and X. And while we're at it, we might as well throw out the whole Bible because one historical mistake of dating a governor a few years too early uh, was just, is just no point. We all should just go be atheists now. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Now, obviously I am being ridiculous here. I don't think most people would say that, but my purpose in this hyperbole is to say that even if Luke is wrong, it really isn't anything earth shattering. Um, I don't think that means that the Bible is no longer authoritative. Um, it's entirely possible that um, even if Luke gets the dating of a governor wrong, of a census wrong around the time of Jesus' birth, he could also be doing something different besides just trying to give a historic timeline. Um for example, we talked in a previous episode about how in Genesis 1, the author did not intend to give a scientific, historic, day-by-day account of how God created the world. Rather, Genesis 1 communicates that in the beginning there was God, and um, though the gods of other religions created chaos, our God is there to bring order out of chaos. And uh, then God gives function to that order. 
that's still a way to communicate truth. It's not giving a day-by-day account of what happened at creation, but it's still communicating the truth that God is the one who created and he gave order and, and function in what he created. So is it unreasonable to think that even if Luke was supposedly wrong about the historic um, uh, year-by-year account of what was going on at this time, that perhaps he was seeking to communicate something different. Perhaps he's just generally linking the very important moment of Jesus's birth to the very important moment of the great census of AD 6 that caused rebellion throughout the Jewish people. Um, perhaps he's linking these things and saying, there's some important stuff going on at the beginning of Jesus's life. Um, that's just my own speculation on what could be happening if Luke was wrong. But again, it's really nothing, um, earth shattering, faith shaking if he was wrong, but I don't actually think Luke was wrong. I think there's other things going on here. Well, that's all hunky dory, but what does it mean for us that Luke is the only one to mention this census happening during the time of Jesus's birth? Uh, well, what it means is that there's just not a whole lot of data um, at the time, like we already mentioned. And so it's not unreasonable to think that perhaps only one person picked up on what's going on here. Um, it doesn't mean that there weren't other accounts. It just means we don't have them. Um, but to answer this further, this is a good time to mention that, um, though I used several sources to study this issue, I relied pretty heavily on an inspiring philosophy blog post entitled a defense of the census of Quirinius of Luke two, two. Uh, It's a long read for a blog, but it's really good. There's also videos that he references throughout the blog that you can reference if you want to study this further. Um, And I'll link the blog and the other sources I used in the show notes. Uh, Now, one of the things Inspiring Philosophy argues for is using the principle of charity. And so he says, the foundation for this blog post is the principle of charity. Let's not assume Luke is likely an error unless the evidence from that time period points in that direction. So what he's saying here is unless there's a direct contradiction of Luke from other sources of that time period, there's no reason to believe that Luke is an error. As uh, Inspiring Philosophy already stated, as I already stated, there's limited information on that 30-ish year time period. So there's no reason to throw out what little information we have just because it doesn't seem to line up perfectly because it's not contradictory. I already mentioned the other historians of that time are Tacitus, Plutarch, and Josephus, nothing in their writing directly contradicts that there may have been a census that took place, which is what we're about to argue for, before the big AD 6 census. So we're going to get into that in in just a moment of how there might have been another census, and that's another reasonable explanation. But going back to the principle of charity, I'm going to quote Inspiring Philosophy's blog again. Now, I am not saying this is certain but I'm trying to utilize the principle of charity to make sense of what Luke is saying instead of just assuming his claims are questionable from the start or that he's guilty of an error until we find something to corroborate his claim. There is a logical explanation for what Luke records. Plus, that is not how we treat other ancient sources. And I don't see why we should not give Luke the benefit of the doubt considering how accurate he is throughout Acts. And then he cites a blog where somebody goes through and um, corroborates uh, Luke's account in Acts with other historical um, accounts to show just how accurate Luke is. So even if there's no direct contradictory evidence, how can we reconcile a seemingly different presentation of the time period with the others? That's a good question. Um, so we're going to look at other 
possibilities besides the fact that Luke was an heir. So other possibilities include this. Quirinius was a leader at the time. Um, it is not unheard of that before you get the job of being a big bad governor, that you've held other political roles in the meantime. And so one option is that uh, perhaps Quirinius was um, not governor of um, Syria during the time of Jesus's birth, but was just the leader. In fact, if you go back and you look at the Greek, the word that's translated governor actually just means leader. Uh, and so it could be that at the time of Jesus's birth, Quirinius was a leader of the time, though not the governor. Um, it's also entirely possible that Quirinius was just governor twice. Uh, he was governor and then he was something else for a while. And then he was governor again later. And Luke just happens to be the only person who records that. That's also entirely possible. But I think it's very reasonable. It's sort of my personal take is that Quirinius was a leader of Syria at the time of Jesus's birth, though perhaps not a governor, but it's reasonable to think he could be a leader at the time before he was governor. As for the census itself, uh, we know about the big census that caused such uproar in AD 6. Um, but the um, ruler, the ruler uh, Caesar Augustus, was a little bit, um, I don't know how to describe it, but <laughs> um, he, he was a little bit chaotic, let's say. And so there was a lot of censuses going on at the time. And so it's reasonable to think that there may have been just another census that happened before the AD 6 census. Um, and so here's what Luke might be doing. Luke may be recognizing that Quirinius was a leader at the time um, and that he had a census um, that he put together that had started several years before him. And Luke just kind of gave him credit for the whole thing. Um, like maybe the data had already been collected, but Quirinius and those who worked for him actually put it together to figure out tax and whatever. Um, I watched um, a video with Daryl Bach, who is a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he compared it to the fact there's a highway in Dallas called it's Highway 75, uh, North Central Expressway. It's always congested. Uh, it's a, I don't like that road. Anyway, apparently this was a 30-year project. And so who was the leader of Dallas at the time that North Central Expressway was being created? Well, there would have been several. There would have been several people. Uh, and so there may have been several people who worked on this census, the one before 86. Um, and so he's just recognizing that the Quirinius was the one that wrapped it all up. So to, to kind of summarize this, these options, I've just chosen to paraphrase verse two, the verse in question. Um, verse one reads in the NIV as in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. First two, Leo's version. It was the census that came before the big AD six census that caused all that hoopla. The previous census was put together uh, by Quirinius's administration in Syria. That's a completely reasonable way to read verse two that doesn't cause any historic problems. I particularly like the use of the word hoopla. Thank you. Thank you. I do too. <laughs> so how often were censuses taken during that time period? That's a good question. And one of the objections you'll hear is that the Roman Empire put out a census every 14 years. And so it would be ridiculous for them to put out a census just a few years before that big 86 census. Um, but that didn't actually happen. The 14 year uh, rotation didn't happen until several years later after Jesus's birth. Um, 
And again, what information we have about how the Roman Empire did censuses is a little limited because we have limited information during that time period. But what we do know is a little bit about how they did census in Egypt, um, which was also under Roman rule. Um, If you want more details on the census that happened in Egypt, go read Inspiring Philosophy's blogs. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail, but basically what he's saying is that we can look at how they did the census in Egypt and get a general idea of how they might have done it in other parts of the empire. Um, It's not going to be a one-to-one comparison. You can't say, well, they did it in Egypt, so therefore they had to do it this way with uh, the Jews. You you can't say that, but it can kind of give us an idea. And what we see from that is it's reasonable to think um, that they did several censuses in a short period of time. Um, And it's also reasonable to think, and this kind of goes to our third point, that um, people might have had to travel to take part in the census. Um, So censuses, again, later took place every 14 years or so, but that would have been after Jesus's birth. So we have limited information here, but we do know they did a census somewhat regularly during this time period um, because Caesar Augustus was chaotic and unstable. Um, It is reasonable to think that during this time period, based on what we see in Egypt, there would have done a census every few years and that people might have had to travel um, to take part in the census. Okay, so like, hold your horses now, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> saying sometimes they have to travel, but sometimes they don't have to travel. So then why did uh, Mary, who was very pregnant, have to go to Bethlehem? That seems a little ridiculous. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have raised a fuss nine months pregnant. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you want me to go where? (laughs) (laughs) But that's also a cultural difference here because the Roman Empire allowed some of the customs of their territory to continue as long as it was acceptable to them and didn't cause any issues. Um, Old Testament law required them to go to their ancestral home for a census. And so they might have said, "Okay, yeah, sure. You want to go to your ancestral home? Go. That's how we'll do the census. Now, in Egypt, there were like time you could make exceptions. If you had a reasonable um, explanation as to why you should just stay put and register there, um, then you would be able to do that. Now, why didn't Mary and Joseph take advantage of that opportunity? I don't know. It probably had something to do with their own Jewish law and wanting to follow the law. Um, so was this an unreasonable thing for Mary to have to do? I don't I don't know, maybe, but that's not really the issue here. Uh, Luke's just recording what happened, not the argument between her and Joseph about whether they should they should go. There might not, I don't know, maybe there wasn't an argument, but that's not the point. Um, there's no reason to think it didn't happen uh, just because it seems a little extreme to our 21st century Western ears. Okay, well, that was a lot. Uh, can, can you sum it up? Put a nice pretty bow on it. It's, tying it's a Christmas bow. and all. <laughs> It's a good thing this isn't a literal bow. Otherwise, Andrew would have to do it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I believe that I have in the past wrapped my own Christmas presents. (laughs) You probably have. (laughs) I'm getting there. Anyway, I can do a verbal bow. So first of all, we're uh, really the first two are uh, point A and point B kind of thing of the timing of Quirinius being governor and the timing of the census with Jesus's birth. And so there's really no reason to doubt that Quirinius was at least leading in some capacity around the time of Jesus's birth. Um, and it's also reasonable that there was just another census that was happening at that time before the 86 census. Um, so you know, just because it's not in the other historic documents 
doesn't give us really any cause for concern because we don't have a lot of information as is. Luke's proven to be really a pretty reliable um, author. And so because there's no evidence to the contrary, it's reasonable for us just to say, well, it's likely Quirinius was a leader and there was another census going on. Um, and though it does seem strange for a nine-month pregnant lady to travel all the way to Bethlehem, uh, it would have reasonably happened based on Jewish law and custom at the time. Sounds weird to us. Maybe wasn't as weird uh, back then. So, and again, even if by some weird chance Luke is wrong on this historic point, this is not faith shattering. It's a few years difference. Like I mentioned before, perhaps he was just connecting the hugely important event of that big AD6 census with the very important event of Jesus's birth. There's important stuff going around and happening around this time. Pay attention. Sorry, what was that? Wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's important stuff happening. Pay attention. (laughs) Now, I'm going to read Inspiring Philosophy's conclusion from his blog. He says, so suffice it to say, their claim that Luke made an error is not supported by the data they provide. This goes back to my original point. Skeptics will assume passages in the Bible are an error because they do not because they have not been confirmed elsewhere. However, they would never do this with Plutarch, Josephus, or any other historian. Typically, when we study these works, we tend to assume they are accurate unless we have good reason to doubt them. And then along those lines, I would add, and we don't. We don't have any good reason to doubt what Luke says, even if it doesn't line up perfectly with the other uh, documents at the time. There's reasonable ways we can think through this. All right. So just to you know, re-recap, you're saying that we don't have reason to doubt Luke's account of Jesus's birth. We've seen there's no reason to be shaken by this whole Quirinius thing. And though there is still uncertainty as to what exactly is going on in Luke's account in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, there's nothing that should make us seriously doubt what he has to say. So essentially, we can still trust it as reliable. Right, exactly. Um, And now going back to Amy Jill Levine, though we disagree on using logic with scripture, um, she and I both agree that the story of the birth of Jesus is beautiful. Um, and I want to conclude this kind of heavy historical episode by having Andrew read that for us, uh, just put us in that Christmas spirit. Um, but before we wrap up, please take a moment to prayerfully consider supporting this podcast in 2023. Your support allows us to continue to make content that edifies believers in their faith. This giving starts at just a few dollars a month. And the link for that will be in the show notes. So without further ado, Luke 2, 1 through 20 from the NIV. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We'll talk to y'all in 2023. Merry Christmas and God bless. Apologetic Simplified is a part of Leah Chapman Ministry Productions. To learn more, go to www.leahchapman.org. And thanks for listening.